0: Hi, I'm Jody Hoyt, and I'm the Communications Director at First Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today's presentation is a forum on the Trial of Jesus, led by Professor John Van Patten. Originally, this forum was supposed to be held on Palm Sunday, April 5, 2020, at First Lutheran Church. However, due to the outbreak of COVID-19, we had to move the forum into a virtual format instead. What you'll hear today is the recording of that forum with Professor Van Patten and several members of our congregation. We hope that this is just part one and that we are able to host an in-person forum down the road that you all can come join. We hope you enjoy.
1: Good morning and welcome to this forum on the trial of Jesus from an attorney's perspective led by our guest, Professor John Van Patten. Uh, We're also joined by a few members of our family of First Lutheran this morning uh, with, I think, a nice mix of judges and attorneys, as well as theologians and pastors and the priesthood of all believers. Uh, One might call it, in Luther's theological terms, a nice synergy of law and gospel. And uh, (laughs) perhaps a little too early for that kind of humor, but I tried. Uh, Further, a word of thanks to Andrea Van Essen who's a recent grad of Augustana University and a member of our Education and Discipleship Board, who's written a very fine introductory article for our April issue of First Word that's posted on our website. And also, um, thanks to Pastor Jeff Bapper who's serving as our host and all round IT go-to, uh, go-to guy this morning, and especially our guest, John Van Patten, who's with us uh, zooming in all the way from his home in the Black Hill. So welcome, John. Thank you. Finally, by way of a brief introduction, Professor Van Patten recently retired this past December after teaching at the University of South Dakota Law for nearly 39 years. And um, this uh, past December, uh, he and I began to talk about how he might bring this journal article Together that he's been working on off and on since, as he'll tell you, going back to Holden uh, days. And also, I'm pleased that uh, one of his teaching assistants from a few years back, my daughter Sarah, uh, is able to join us this morning as well. Uh, John and his wife Diane were also for many years members at first, uh, sharing their gifts of music in various music ensembles and. So I pray that this forum uh, is indeed a marvelous, uh, as I said, entree point into this upcoming Holy Week as we give special focus to the trial of Jesus. So let us pray. Lord God, grant us a cross-eyed... ...your holy word as you speak to us... Uh, this day, by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, of weeks to bow our hearts and minds as we receive anew your mandate, memories of a holy supper. To fall on prideful faces before your cross on a Friday that we call Good. And finally, lift us up on your spirited wings of your Spirit, speaking unto our Spirit of a deep joy and high praise, joining earth and heaven and an alleluia chorus of your Easter Sunday resurrection. we we'll hope that truly springs eternal and so grant us a spirit of confidence, even in this time filled with fear and anxiety surrounding the coronavirus. We pray for all who are on the front lines of of this with our medical staff and families affected by this virus, as well as those who perhaps are in the back lines that struggle in um, times of of loneliness and and, um, so may your holy word shine on us and all your people of your world in a sense of peace body mind and spirit for you god are our refuge our sure foundation for a time when the foundations of the earth are trembling just to be still as the psalmist calls to us to stay and know that you are god amen amen so at this point, I would like to turn it over to Professor Van Patten, who uh, I think, John, you might have just a couple of introductory comments to set the stage.
2: Thanks, Pastor. I uh, would would like to actually start with uh, some uh, acknowledgement of debt. Um, this uh, project started over 50 years ago for me at uh, Holden Village in the state of Washington. I uh, was a recent high school grad uh, working on staff there and I heard a, a, a wonderful lecture by uh, the late uh, professor of law at University of Washington, Laverne Rieke, and uh, he spoke on the trial of Jesus. So this topic for me is not new, uh, it's one I thought about for a while, and the reason I decided to do it is is that it it was an important presentation for me, and uh, yet uh, that presentation was preserved only uh, in the uh, archives at at Holden Village, and I think it, the 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 topic uh, of the trial from the standpoint of a lawyer uh, it's an important trial, and especially for us, and especially this week, and it's. I, it, it's good to, to take a look at that, but uh, Dr. Ricky did not uh, write it up, and so it's it's buried in the archives there. And we pulled it out, uh, started on this project uh, uh, a, a while ago. Uh, Sarah uh, was my research assistant then. We this where we where we started, and it's come quite a long ways uh, since then. And um, I'm happy that we're just about at the publication stage. So thank you, Sarah, for that getting me going on that, and and um, and a thank you uh, to those here this morning uh, to serve as a, the audience, because it's a lot easier to talk to some faces than it is to um, talk just a camera. So with that, uh, I would just uh, like to set the scene a bit uh, with the, the, the cast of characters. Uh, they, they come at us, and they are familiar, but uh, uh, sometimes a little uh, a background to, is is useful to uh, get a sense of where where these actors are coming from or these groups are coming from so we have uh, at, at the trial if we can call it that uh, the sanhedrin the seventy plus one uh, which kind of functioned as a as a uh, county board of Supervisors uh, consisting uh, largely of the of the um of the temple clergy if we can use clergy but also it included others and and uh and a number of uh uh, jesus uh former interlocutors uh were present there as well so we had scribes and pharisees lawyers and and uh and uh, sadducees sadducees would probably make up the uh Bulk of the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin in in, in Jerusalem. Uh, we also have uh, some Romans here, and we're going to have to just set that a bit in history what what they were doing there. Uh, the uh, I mean, Israel we we, we know it has a long and varied history. I mean, it, it starts for him, but that it it goes badly for a while. Uh, uh, with the slavery in in Egypt and then the uh, exodus from egypt and and the ascension uh, to uh, uh to the glory days of Solomon and then they get big headed and they fight and divide into north south kingdoms and eventually they are conquered by the Persians and go into exile and spend quite a long time in in exile uh they eventually come back uh about the time that the uh, Greeks are abandoned and we have Alexander the Great, and part of that empire encompasses uh, Israel. They have a a short period of of uh, self-rule with the with the Maccabees, but that kind of goes sour as as well as typically all regimes seem to to have. And then uh, around uh, uh, seventy years before the uh the birth of christ uh the romans enter the picture um, the, the the greeks are uh in in decline there although their influence is, is is seen is felt is practiced for quite a long time uh although the, the romans are really ascendant politically at that point it's it's the, the 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 language of the of the world at that point is is still greek and that's why Even though the Greeks are not in control, it's the
0: language of the New Testament. All right. Um, the, uh, the The Romans came on the scene, uh, kind
2: of, sort of, uh, about uh, seventy years uh, before the birth of Jesus. Uh, but they were empire building at that point, and so they came to uh, an agreement between uh, the emperor Pompey and and uh, a guy who shows up by the name of Herod, uh, and it's actually his son who uh, becomes a the, uh, the a big big shot for a long time. That's Herod the Great, and we see him entering the picture. Uh, actually, there's a conversation with the with the wise men, but um, uh, to to set the scene, uh, uh, Herod is a, uh, Herod's a, a Jew, and um, the succession to the throne becomes very complicated. He had
0: ten wives and numerous sons and Uh, and that um, uh, the, uh, the the Romans came in.
2: the The Romans came in uh, when the uh,
0: agreement settling the will contest uh, uh, fell apart, and so they decided. So, Jeff, we need some some uh, advice here. On how to proceed? We keep losing you through the middle of your talking. John, I don't know if you can go out and then come back in. Go. Good morning. I'd like to uh, make a,
2: a, some acknowledgments uh, of this uh, uh, project, the Trial of Jesus from a lawyer's perspective, uh, started over 50 years ago uh, when I uh, was a staff member. Up at Holden Village in the state of Washington, and I heard a lecture by a law professor by the name of Bern Ricci who was one of the principals of the uh, of the Holden Village uh, community. And he did a presentation on the trial of Jesus that was uh, very striking. The one that affected me, and and um, but he never published it. It was it was buried in the. In the uh, archives, and it um, is available if you go to oldenvillage.org and uh, and uh, uh, click on the uh, on the audio archives. You can hear that and, and a lot of other uh, lectures, presentations that went on for a long period of time. They're quite quite good. Uh, many of my heroes are there: including Carol Hinderley and. Uh, Walt Bowman and, and other stars from that from that time. I uh, I would like to thank uh, uh, Sarah for This well recently started about five years ago, and Sarah was a, a, a second year student. She was my graduate assistant, and we started working on this to take this concept into a a, a written form and uh, assign her the task come up with the text. Because there is a, a an issue of, of, of which which one or all or some of the text will be useful to uh, uh, provide a narrative, and so Sarah did that, and we worked from there, and and uh, have we're nearing publication now with the South Dakota Law Review, and and that should be out uh, not only in print form but in uh, on our on our website, and so uh, thanks Sarah for that, and I think everyone else that's here this morning uh, to provide a a face to talk to and I appreciate that and we'll appreciate your uh, input and your questions so that will be help this uh, be uh, more of a discussion and I hope this will will work well Um, to set the uh, cast of characters to this uh, to this uh, story here uh, we we need to uh, at least account for them, what they're, where they're coming from, and, and, um, uh, <laughs> to summarize a couple thousand years of, of, uh, uh, the history of of Israel, uh, uh, they get to this point, uh, in a long, uh, path, uh, even longer than their years in the wilderness, but they, they, you know, starts out with Father Abraham and goes through Joseph and his sons, and they, Move to Egypt and later slavery, and then the exodus uh, led by Moses, uh, which takes them into the, the laws, given not only from above but uh, also uh, many laws and they they are uh, assembled and we see the the, uh, uh, the laws cover all, all kinds of subjects and we uh, we'll, we'll come back to that, particularly when we talk about flash. Uh, in any event, they, the fortunes of Israel uh, uh, rose and fell uh, many times. They, they they served a long time in in, uh, in exile uh, in Persia, and, uh, and eventually it came back, and uh, then were were uh, part of the. Empire of Greece under Alexander the Great, and then uh, that empire began to shrink. Although their influence uh, continued, um, although they're not politically ascendant at the time of the New Testament, uh, the New Testament is written mostly in in Greek uh, because that's the language of the of the day. Um, but by this point, the the Romans were uh, ascendant, and uh, they had initially established a a, a, a Jewish rule locally uh, but that fell apart and um, ultimately they sent in their own guy um, and uh, after one or two uh, predecessors of Pontius Pilate comes on the scene uh, and uh, is the is the uh, ruler uh, for the for the Romans uh, but it's a it's a a partnership, the, the, uh, the Jewish uh, leadership uh, expressed through the Sanhedrin uh, is, uh, is very important uh, and they had uh, run-ins with Pilate before so pilate been a bit chastened and he has some respect for uh, what they have to say and we'll, we'll see that in this as the story unfolds. Um, and last uh, and, and certainly not least, we have the narcastic characters we have we have Jesus and there is a, a, actually, we have a of, of description of that ministry through the through the gospels and through the the testimonies of others including Paul. Uh, we have an outsider though by the name of Josephus, who comes fairly uh, in, in court he's a historian he's a Jewish background, but he's he lived in Rome and and became a historian, and, and uh, his writings uh, have been, have been preserved, and we have an interesting description from an outsider uh, as follows. It says, he's writing in a, in a book about, as I recall, the Roman rule, and he says, About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of the kind, for people who accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many Greeks. He was the Messiah. When Pilate, upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who had at first come to love him did not abandon their affection for him. On the third day he appeared to them restored to life. For the prophets of God have prophesied these and countless other marvelous things About him. And the tribe of Christians named after him has still to this day not disappeared. So there's our introduction to the cast of characters, and uh, that takes us uh, for this story here of the trial of Jesus, takes us to Palm Sunday, Uh, because it seems to me that's where things uh, begin to change. Obviously, Jesus had had uh, run-ins with the uh, scribes and the Pharisees and, and Sadducees uh, uh, on previous occasions, and there had been threats, but uh, nothing had come of that. Uh, and uh, so, Jesus uh, is uh, going to Jerusalem for the for the Passover, and his uh, entry uh, into Jerusalem on uh, on Palm Sunday is uh, is momentous. I mean, it's quite a uh, a celebration by the crowd and and this seems to uh, have troubled the uh, the elites uh, uh, substantially. And if Palm Sunday wasn't enough, uh, we also then uh, see uh, what appears to be the next day, uh, Jesus visits the temple in Jerusalem, a uh, very important institution, and he uh, is a, that's a real game changer. He goes in and uh, Quotes the prophets against them, uh, berates them uh, for uh, uh, not following the uh, the uh, lead of the the prophets, but instead has turned it into a a money making operation and overturns the tables and it's uh, quite a scene and that uh, seems to have really set off. Uh, Why was different? And I think. That between Palm Sunday, with the popularity, obvious popularity of Jesus, and the uh, attack on the on the institution uh, as it then existed, with the with the uh, uh, the money operation in the temple, uh, there was a a meeting uh, of the of the elders, and they discuss in Caiaphas, who's a uh, uh, the high priest. It uh, takes the position that uh, uh, Jesus has to has to be eliminated because uh, if we don't get control on this thing, uh, the Romans are going to get upset, and and uh, it's just it's just better that for uh, one person to die than uh, than for the whole society to be taken down. So at that time, there is a, a decision to uh, go after Jesus. There's a obvious. Uh, logistical problem. How you how you do that, uh, particularly at this time, is a festival time. A lot of people in Jerusalem. Jesus is popular. Um, how are they going to pull that off? And and the uh, uh, Judas then uh, comes to them and uh, at the an opportune time and uh, says, I, I can I can deal with those problems. And they make an agreement. They they, they welcome as the text says. They welcome. Uh, this uh, opportunity to take Jesus by stealth rather than uh, do it uh, by daytime. And so uh, a number of other things happened that, that week, but uh, we can then go to the arrest, uh, which happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, there are uh, a number of, well, it's all, obviously all of the Gospels depict the scene uh, but, in terms of the narrative, I chose uh, uh, the Gospel of John because it uh, is the only one to have included the Roman soldiers. and to me this not only I think it's significant I think it also it rings true uh, to me in terms of uh, what's going on in the and the later involvement of the Romans. so uh, the appearance of the Roman soldiers is is very that's significant there along to kind of make sure that this other band of the crowd with swords and clubs is not going to start some kind of revolt against the Romans. So they're there to kind of keep tabs on things. And um, and, and, and and so they confront Jesus. Jesus uh, cuts the chase and doesn't interrogate them other than... I mean, could have said, you know, who are you and what are you doing here?
0: And he cuts to the
2: chase and says, who do you see? And they say, Jesus, and, and I am, I'm the one. And uh, they're off now, and, and the disciples are, are running, and they, they take Jesus and, and, and bind him. Um, it, it's very important to this story that there are, what you would expect next doesn't happen. Um, you could take him to a, a local jail. Could take him to the Romans. You could, you, but instead they go to a, the house of the high priest, and uh, this is a very unusual step. And in fact, everything that occurs there seems to be uh, very unusual. Um, the, they, it, it's it's a it's a private house. It's a big house. Uh, by, by
1: uh,
2: standards of those times, um, and it may have even been big enough to in, have incorporated all of Sanhedrin, although because of the, the, the hasty way this was assembled, we probably weren't all 70 there, although it was supposed to be, uh, but in any event, they're meeting at the uh, the house of, of, uh, of the, high, the high priest, the first one who that deals with Jesus is is uh, Annas, and uh, and who's a former uh, high priest, Bob Pilate, Caiaphas, and um, it, it's it's kind of unorganized. This is not a this is not a prosecution that uh, is, is, is organized. It's not even clear what what we're dealing with here. Is it a trial? Is it an inquest? Is it a hearing. Uh, it, well, it's a gathering of uh, powerful people, and they are looking for ways to to uh, deal with this problem of Jesus. Um, but as the scholars have pointed out, it's some procedural issues and some substantive issues, so let's, let's deal with those. Um, procedurally, it's all wrong. Um, the proceedings, if they're Going to be acting in an official way. The proceedings have to take place in a in a public place, namely the the temple. Doesn't take shouldn't take place in a in a house, even though it's a house of the of the big shot uh, uh, chief priest. But they are there's, there's an understanding of private and public and, and proceedings of this order are supposed to take place in a public place, and they are supposed to take place in the in the daytime, and uh, we. Except for you know things like night court, uh, you do this in, in the daytime. there's been, always been a very strong tradition of that. Um, they also had a, their their own rule is said that you didn't have proceedings of the sort uh, uh, on or near a, a festival day. and this is uh, this is really on the eve of the of the Passover, and so um, if uh, if if it's normal to start a, a court proceeding with uh, words, uh, uh, this is the time and the place for the for hearing in the case of uh, the people of Israel versus uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, one can conclude pretty confidently this is neither the time nor the place for any such thing. Um, so the The proceedings go on, though. they're looking they're wanderingundering around. they're looking for uh, witnesses. So pretty early on, Jesus says, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I don't even know why you're proceeding this way because uh, the, uh, the I don't even know what the the, the charges are. I mean, what, why are you asking me? Uh, you're the one who's supposed to tell me what what's going on, and I I haven't been hiding anything. I've had a public ministry. I've spoken often in the temple. I've not had any secrets that I've withheld. Uh, so you tell me where I've gone wrong. And they uh, Jesus is slapped at that point. Uh, well, that's just really disrespectful to the to uh, the high priest. And um, I I think you know, the. You know, from our understanding and of how we do it, but also how the uh, things normally proceeded, uh, there's a perfectly uh, legitimate response. Um, what am I charged with? You tell me. And uh, they're obviously uh, floundering around they got the, the description is that they have many witnesses, but the witnesses contradict each other. Uh, that brought in another procedural rule, which was uh, that in order to convict someone of a, of a serious crime, you had to have two witnesses against, and it couldn't be the defendant. There are a couple of rules there. One is, is a, a very strong um, tradition from early on uh, that uh, did not allow for the use of, of confessions. By the defendant, you had to prove the case uh, on the basis of, of uh, independent testimony of witnesses. And you had to have two of them, and uh, none of that was going on. They were they were
1: uh,
2: uh, fishing for a, a case, and uh, for the most part, uh, Jesus is is uh, silent. So uh, what what happens
0: though uh, is that. Uh, is that um and, and this is
2: in the in the uh, account by john um that is jesus almost seems to have a strategy of of uh, of silence uh, which he certainly had a right to do but in the gospel of john uh he he finally answers and, and says um uh, yeah, I'm the Messiah, and um, uh, the, the Caiaphas goes crazy and says, oh, that's, a, that's all we need. That's all. Need. You heard him say it. We, you don't need any more testimony. He, he himself is, has admitted it. And I think this is where we come to the, the crucial point uh, in this part of, of the proceeding, because uh, it's the conclusion of, of Caiaphas, who is it kind of enters midway, and, uh, and and to whom Jesus is talking, and Caiaphas says, you
0: you heard his blasphemy, and so um, give us your your verdict. Um, it,
2: it seems to me what Jesus is is doing is is, uh, is changing the, the strategy here because he knows how it's how it's going to end and uh, but it was important to essentially demonstrate the you know what they were up to, and because uh, this is not just a trial of, of Jesus, this is a trial of the, of the, of the prosecutors, and so um, uh, anyway, he answers and says, uh, uh, yes, I, I am the, the, the Son of God, you'll see the Son of God
1: coming again.
2: All right, so now you have this, this uh, question, uh, is that blasphemy? is is Jesus uh, talked himself into a a crime. And uh, this is a a question that's studied uh, very seriously by many scholars. I think the leading uh, expert on on this is a a former justice of the uh, Israel Supreme Court by the name of Haim Kohn, and he wrote a book uh, uh, right around 1960 Entitled "The uh, Trial and Death of Jesus," and it's a, a, a long account a of the of the entire uh, process, particularly from the uh, viewpoint of a Jewish legal uh, lawyer and judge. And he concluded, "No, this was not blasphemy." It, it, that that opinion was uh, was a uh, was also seconded by uh, an American uh, uh, historian, uh, very prominent, by the name of, of Leonard Levy, who wrote many books on constitutional history. But he also wrote a, a very uh, lengthy uh, treatise, a uh, book called Blasphemy. And he, this was a history of, of blasphemy, and he did spend a chapter on the trial of Jesus. And Leonard Levy uh, concluded that there was no. This was not blasphemy, as blasphemy was understood under Jewish law. Uh, Raymond Brown, probably the leading uh, Christian uh, commentator on the trial and death of Jesus, uh, wrote a wonderful two-volume work called *The Death of the Messiah*. And Raymond Brown also uh, uh, agreed with the Jewish scholars. And they um, concluded this was not blasphemy. So, one of the questions is try to, to explain this. I, I, I think uh, that they viewed blasphemy uh, as we view uh, taking the Lord's name in vain.
0: Um,
2: that is, the blasphemy had, wasn't uh, dealing with the issue of blasphemy. Whether someone claimed to be God and whether that was blasphemous, but rather whether one was using the name of Yahweh properly, and so it has technically a far more limited uh, meaning. And uh, so I would I would liken it to to, uh, maybe the present day. There is a uh, uh, a crime of treason, and in fact, treason was uh, has been. Talked about fairly recently, um, but its technical use is far more limited than what became kind of popularly uh, bandied about as truces. And it seemed to me that was kind of a parallel um, a situation where the actual definition of the crime was was more limited than what people seemed to be operating on. So. My conclusion here uh, with these scholars and with uh, uh, my reading the the text is that uh, although uh, the Jews that were uh, prosecuting uh, Jesus uh, felt that he had uh, committed blasphemy, uh, he had not. Uh, But he did provide an occasion for them to misapply their own law. And I think that is. Is, a, is an anchor statement uh, of the law of, of blasphemy, as it applied in this particular case. Now we will see that ultimately this is, is not crucial to the, to the final result because after all this religious talk and finding, uh, trying to find witnesses and eventually uh, proving the case from the confession of Jesus, which is all gone procedurally uh, we, we see when they move over to pilot that they, the, the whole blasphemy, the blasphemy thing uh, is, is dropping and it heads in a completely different uh, direction. So, um, this starts at night, goes into the out, wee hours of the, of the morning. They do take a break and, uh, and, and then meet early in the morning. Discuss what to do, and um, there has been a suggestion that uh, what they were trying to do at that point was comply with the two-day rule because there was another rule which applied uh, to these uh, types of criminal prosecutions, and that is that uh, you couldn't find a person guilty unless the trial took two days, and uh, it was their own way of kind of to slow things down and say this is this needs some deliberation, and and so. Uh, you can't do it in a single day. That's it's too much of the wave of emotions is uh, uh, taking effect, and, and only if you sleep on it can you make that kind of decision. Um, I don't agree that that's what's going on here, although it, it just has been argued, um, uh, and it's because they, I, we count days differently than than they did. They were the going. Um, sundown to sundown we we go from midnight to midnight and so i don't think the two-day rule is applicable unless uh just just with their habit to sleep on it which is not not a bad rule to have uh, in any which we do in capital cases we we don't have uh, conviction and 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 sentencing uh well in in any kind of case but in capital cases we just don't do that back to back uh in any event the the uh, leaders meet early in the morning and decide that, uh, even though they they have concluded that there's blasphemy and blasphemy is a an offense which is punishable by by death, um, they uh, they're gonna they're gonna let the Romans do it. Uh, why? Well, uh, it, it, I I think it's pretty apparent from their discussion, on a, not only dealing with the arrest. Um, that they they were uh, well aware of Jesus' popularity. And um, and especially after uh, Palm Sunday, that became very evident, even though Jesus was kind of a newcomer there, but his his popularity was undeniable. And so uh, I I think what's going on here is is they they would like the the Romans to do the dirty work so that they can achieve the result, but not uh, absorb the blame. And, and so they decide to send Jesus over to Pilate and again early in the morning. And as the significance of that is is I mean it was it was early in the morning when Pilate uh sees them uh, and suggests to me that Pilate knew they were coming. Uh, which again suggests that the, the Romans and the soldiers were involved up from the outset and that Pilate uh, saw this saw coming, expected it, and, and, uh, and, and therefore an early morning meeting. Um, Pilate uh, is is no pushover, though, uh, because he says, okay, so what's going on? In fact, he, he does show them deference, because it's now uh, the beginning of the Passover, and he meets them outside of the courtroom, or his office. Uh, he meets them in the courtyard, uh, because the the uh, the Jews uh, uh, that had brought Jesus there were uh, they, they couldn't go inside the the, uh, the Roman courtroom because uh, that would uh, taint them uh, during the Passover, and so the and they stay pure for the for the uh, Passover process, uh, uh, they they asked to see him outside in the, in the court, uh, courtyard, not courtroom, and Pilate and, and accommodated. So Pilate says, all right, so what's going on here? And they say, well, he's an evil, this this Jesus, he's an evildoer, and um, we need you to take care of it. And uh, Pilate wasn't a a pushover. Uh, He had dealt with the Jews before and and had some uh, uh, suspicion about their their motives. And so he he plays it and says, uh, uh, well, you know, if he's an evildoer, take, take care of him. And, um, and they, they, so the, the, the plan A is to basically say, well, this guy, this, this defendant here is a, 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 bad, uh, a bad actor and, and you need to take care of him. And pilot pushes back and says, well, that sounds like something you should, you should take care of yourself. And, and here they, they make an unusual move, I think, because they say, well, we can't, we can't do that. We're not allowed to do that. And um, I I think that's pretty clearly a lie, Um, because uh, uh, blasphemy was a crime uh, described in Leviticus, and the punishment for blasphemy was described in Leviticus. And so not only did they have jurisdiction over blasphemy, they had the power to execute. In fact, uh, the uh, the sentence was to be exercised by the community, the community's own as expressed in, in Leviticus. So so Pilot, I think, is it makes the correct move and says, well, it doesn't sound like it's my problem, besides um, I, you, you should take care of it. And when they say, well, we can't take care of it because we're not allowed to, uh, they're, they're lying. But, but that doesn't, that doesn't uh, uh, move Pilot, and so they, they have to go to Plan B. And so this is, uh, you know, we've got Two rounds with, with pilot, but uh, uh, we have uh, a, a plan A and a plan B on round round one. Uh, plan A is uh, he's, a, he's an evildoer, and you should take care of it. Pilot says you take care of it. So then they come up with plan B, and they say, "Well, you know, this guy uh, he says he's a, he says he's a, uh, he's a, he's, a, he's causing unrest." He has uh, advised uh, people not to pay their taxes, which again was a lie. We know that. They had already tried that uh, trick with with, uh, asking Jesus if it was uh, uh, right to pay uh, taxes to Caesar. And Jesus uh, handled that one in hindsight very deftly by saying, uh, you know, bear unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And and uh, don't twist anything there. They they just outright lie and say uh, uh, he has advocated not paying taxes. And then they, they say also and, and he also claims to be a king. the one only one that's only one of those charges that seems to have gone through to pilot is this King stuff. So at that point he says, okay, why don't we go in and talk to this defendant? And so, a uh, pilot's uh, 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 judge and jury on this one, but the pilot is goes in to see Jesus. And, uh, Jesus again, basically, is is uh, exercising a, a right to remain silent, and uh, it, it keeps on him. And uh, where where are, are you a king? Is that that made some sense. That's uh, this. this He's a religious uh, uh, heretic. Is just wasn't Pilate's uh, concern, and he, he doesn't question Jesus about that. But he is quite concerned as to whether Jesus is a is potentially a, a, a political rival, not only for Pilate but maybe even to the, uh, to the emperor, and uh, you know, possibly on the basis of what was going on in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, maybe a, a leader of some kind of, of, of rebellion. That's what Pilate's concerned about, and uh, and Jesus says, well, finally, uh, and then this is uh, uh, here, uh, John again has the has the details. Um, this is also uh, by the scholars, going to be the, the last written one and uh, uh, of, the, of the Gospels, and so there's a little more detail here, and Jesus does speak and says, well, um, yeah, there is a there is some basis for uh, this king talk, but it, it, you have to understand I, it, it's not the kind of king that you're concerned with. I'm uh, my kingship is not of this world. Uh, I, I I deal in a in a, in a different realm, and uh, I, 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 I'm dealing in the realm of truth. What uh, and and those who hear my words uh, hear the truth. Pilate, at this point, is uh, kind of weary of this, but also very cynical. And he says to Jesus, uh, what is the truth? And those words, to me, are, are fairly significant. We'll come back to them. Um, but it's kind of a uh, throwaway line, as because it says, that he walked, he walked out the door. And what is the truth? And walked out the door. And goes back to talk to the to the Jews and says uh, that that um, he uh, doesn't see anything wrong, and so um, we uh, I, don't, I don't I don't see what, what where the case is what what, you, what you're talking about, and so they press him on this and um, and, and, and and keep on. But it just, at this point, it's, it's, it's very clear that what has happened is that the Jews have completely dropped the, the blasphemy talk. Um, they spent a whole night on it, and it just, whether they came up empty, even in their own minds, they, they realize it's just not going to work at all with, with, uh, with, with Pilate. So they basically uh, uh, pursue the political angle. He's a rival. He's a, he says he's a king. Pilate comes, talks to Jesus, comes back, says, "I don't, I don't see it. Um, I think you uh, ought to just uh, uh, forget this." And they said, "Well, come on, uh, you, you're supposed to be uh, in, in charge here, and he's already stirred up trouble in, in, in the northern part in Galilee, and, and he's starting to you know, create trouble everywhere. And all that your deal. You're in your jurisdiction." Well, uh, that that gets a that gets a response. Did did you say Galilee? Uh, did you say he's from Galilee? All right. So so that piece his interest because now he sees a, a a way out of this impasse, and because uh, as it turns out, uh, Herod. This is a different Herod, not Herod the Great. Uh, is actually. Um, uh, Herod Antipas or Antipas who took so on the name of Herod, uh, he, he had made an earlier appearance uh, uh, as a uh, as a player in this uh, a whole the uh, drama uh, he had uh, uh, John the Baptist uh, beheaded, and so uh, he was uh, no friend of of the of the uh, of, of John the Baptist or of Jesus, and, and uh, but he had never met Jesus. And uh, in, in any event, the uh, uh, pilot feels that this is an opportunity to to pass this one off. And so he says, well, Herod's in town. I'm going to send you over there. And for some reason, uh, Herod was available, and, and, and he sees Jesus uh, right away. Well, Herod, it turns out to be kind of a lightweight. Had bad reputation. It turned out to be a lightweight because he was just. It was no. So, it was an opportunity for a fairly serious discussion. Uh, uh, Herod was the ruler up in Galilee. Uh, uh, Jesus obviously had been doing things up there and and uh, uh, making uh, it had a reputation as an important person. The feeding of the five thousand. Uh, and, uh, and miracles and yet uh, Herod had never met him. so Herod thought okay let's just see what this is all about and so he's kind of amused that he asks, but he was more amused like well so Jesus can you can you do a few tricks here and you see that kind of uh, portrayed uh, humorously in, in the musical Jesus Christ Superstar uh, which I think actually captures the kind of frivolity of of, of Herod in this particular show, um, and so Herod really doesn't do anything. He just scourges a bit and then sends him, sends him back to to, to Pilate. So Pilate got the problem back on his on uh, on his plate, as it were, and he's got to figure out what to do. So then the next thing he comes up with is, is, well, all right, let's let's try the Barabbas off, and. Um, and I'm uh, not really sure where that came from because that was, that was a, 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 a Jewish um, practice um, uh, of, of releasing prisoners a, a on a festival day. I'm not sure whether I knew that or he had good advisors, but then he comes up with that it seems a pretty uh, lucid response for someone who wants to kind of get out of this Situation. He's, he's clearly not happy with this situation. And he says, "Okay, let's. Who uh, 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 should I release? Uh, Jesus or Barabbas?" And they just jump on that and say, uh, "Give us, give us Barabbas." So they call Pilate's bluff, and uh, basically, uh, Pilate's still on on the hook. So he goes back at this point to to uh, Jesus. See if he, you know, he's, he's almost getting desperate. Uh, you know, Jesus, can you, can you help me here? And uh, give me something to say. I have, you know, I know, you can't just sit there. I, I've got the power to release you or or or, or to execute you. you know, you ought to give me something so I can deal with these people outside. And then Jesus basically says, uh, no, you don't have any power. So uh, you don't have any power over me. Uh, the only power you have is from above and so you're not you're not in control here. Well um uh, Pilate goes back to the Jews. Uh, they don't they don't let up. It basically said, look at if you if, if you release Jesus, you're a friend of Caesar's. I mean, they're just purely political at this point. Uh, and so we're gonna are we're, <laughs> we're gonna tell Caesar that that you uh, are harboring this guy, and this guy is purportedly a king, you know, a, a tax protester, and you know, a gravel rouser, and we're gonna we're gonna tell Caesar you're no friend of Caesar's if you if you don't deal with him. And so, uh, in the end, it's it's uh, it, it's politics. It's not it's not religion. And um, and, and and Pilate the panics and he gives in, um, but. Uh, not before uh, he doesn't uh, what we might today call virtue signaling. He uh, he washes his hands, uh, which um, uh, was supposed to give uh, cover. Uh, actually, all that did is become a a, uh, a a metaphor that has uh, lasted over millennia of of uh, a, a useless symbolic act, which. Um, uh, accomplishes nothing except to uh, make a, a pilot a, a an object of scorn, properly so, uh, through the millennium. So uh, his his hand washing, in, in fact, uh, is 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 a memorable
1: uh,
2: act of, of of cowardice and ultimately of of responsibility. He is given some. Covered by the Jews again. Here, John uh, emphasizing this. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I'm uh, this might be Matthew. Uh, but in any event, um, there is this exchange at this point with the Jews, and uh, and the, the Jews with one voice. Famously say, "His blood be on us and upon our children." Um, In in my opinion, uh, this is one that not only is is uh, is questionable uh, from an accuracy standpoint; it may have been added later on.
3: But in any
2: event, it is it is a verse which is uh, a Bible verse which is. Probably caused more um, caused more problems than, than any other person in, in the Bible. It's, just, it's just, there's a tremendous, uh, horrible, uh, shameful history connected with this person, and so the 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 the, the idea that uh, the, the Jews killed Jesus is a uh, was was wrong factually, but also wrong. Uh, from, uh, from a religious uh, standpoint, uh, they certainly bear responsibility uh, here. Um, but this is there's a a, a lot of blame to, to, to go around. But to be clear on this, because of the, of the of the horrible history connected with this issue of the, the Jews being the killer of Jesus, um, this was a this was ultimately a Roman execution uh carried out by the Romans under the Roman authority uh and uh and and, uh, all all the way through um so literally not true uh metaphorically or figuratively uh not not really i i think uh uh, certainly from from our standpoint and uh you see this in, in many ways but i always like to look to the, uh, the Bach, the J.S. Bach story uh, here, set to music, uh, at this point it's very theologically sound that the chorus uh, says uh, at, at this moment uh, of the of the process that, that we're the ones that are responsible. We all are responsible. Uh, there's no sense Although there's a sense that, that the Jews are responsible, we all are responsible. And I think that reflects the the, the truth, and that's name's important. he be said because he still did quite a bit of that. But it's been uh, uh, a a a judgment that has been borne by the Jews uh, inordinately over the centuries. So I think we come uh, here uh, to the what could be called the, the divine equation. Uh, so what's, what's going on here? Why, why did Jesus have to die? Uh, well for our sins yes, okay God hates sin. It wouldn't sin is rebellion against his will and sin must be punished. It can't be ignored. It's not in God's nature to ignore it. Well, how much punishment? Well, that's a check we can't we can't write. That's a check we can't cover. There's nothing we can do to make it right. Only God can pay the price for sin. We can sin, but only God can pay the price for sin. The formula then, what I call the divine equation, is expressed in first Peter. it's also expressed in Romans. we ex- see it expressed in the twentieth century one at the thing involved church you see it at a Holden village on their altar the formula first Peter once for all that's the divine equation.
0: Why did it have to be this way? Only God, could pay the price, and paid it once
2: for all. Couldn't that have gone any other way? Couldn't have been fixed like magic about? No. So we hear Pilate sneering, what is the truth? Well, this is the truth. God had to suffer The pain of God. Salvation is not cheap. It's about as serious as it gets and that grace is overwhelming for us and that's why we call it Good Friday, in a very ironic way. So with that, I would like to ask some questions or comments from our audience.
3: Have at it. One of the things that keeps running throughout the uh, gospel texts uh, is this question: Did was Jesus an innocent man when he died? And uh, I want to get a uh, final clarification from John eventually about whether Jesus was actually an innocent man, or if he was not an innocent man uh, when he when he was crucified. Yeah, was he uh, an innocent man either? Having uh, looked at this carefully
2: and relying also on uh, others who have studied it for a long period of time, namely uh, Justice Haim Cohn, uh, Professor Leonard Levy, uh, Dean Raymond Brown, all concluded that he was not guilty of the charge of blasphemy, which was the only charge that had any sticking the uh, power in that first trial or, or inquest, and uh, I, and I I agree with him. I I think the Jews misapplied the law of blasphemy. Blasphemy was was actually a much narrower offense and dealt mainly with the taking of the Lord's name in vain, not the claim. To be God, that might be religious heresy, but that wasn't blasphemy. So he was innocent, uh, according to the experts, and I agree with them. He was innocent of the charge uh, as to the uh, as to the Roman part. Um, uh, Pilate basically uh, entered a verdict of not guilty and said, "I I I find no fault." So the answer, assuming we have two prosecutions here, and I think we do, a religious prosecution by the, the Jews on the charge of blasphemy and a political prosecution to being a a revolutionary or a political terrorist or something, uh, I believe that he was innocent of, of that charge as well. He was found innocent uh, of that one. Well, that would be my uh, guess he was a newsman, man, or no, he was not uh, convicted of a
0: crime, properly speaking.
3: Uh, let me follow up with one more thing. Can you hear me, John? Okay. I, I'm sorry? I wanted to follow up with one more question, John. Yeah. Yes. Um, who's uh, le- whose fault is this then? I take it I'm hearing two things. One is that there's a, something like a procedural fault among Jews for not using the law in its legal uh, in its proper legal sense and the other uh, for someone That's like some problem. I don't think it was a procedural flaw, I think it was a substantive flaw
0: they
2: misapplied the law of blasphemy
0: but well, go ahead, I, I maybe I shouldn't have responded. Can you hear that?
3: I did hear that. Uh, then I'll follow up with uh, Pilot. Pi- would you say that Pilot's, um, problem, then, uh, Pilot's problem is political? Uh, he, yeah. he made a political judgment, um, which is outside the matter of whether the law was used properly. Am, am, am I hearing that? I, I would
0: agree. I would agree with that. I, but it wasn't um, a, a judgment from strength.
2: I think he panicked. He basically said, "I don't want anything to do with this." And and, uh, and and yet he he did he did give them did give Jesus over. But Jesus was given over to the Roman soldiers. So ultimately, he's got responsibility. It was a it was a political act. Uh, <laughs> You, you, it was a there's a verdict essentially of uh, of not guilty. I don't find any fault here, but you can you can take him, and by the way, he'll be executed by the Roman soldiers. so it's it's uh, uh he, he he gained he gained nothing, obviously for his reputation, but just looking at it, he it, it's it's uh, kind of incomprehensible. it's contradictory what he did. finds him not guilty and then Give them over to be executed. Um, Go back to your original question. Uh, Jesus was innocent of that of that political charge, and and, and Pilate uh, said so. I find no
3: fault. Uh, if you don't mind, I've got one more, John. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Could this have, if 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 this is true that. Um, that there was uh, a fault in the use of the law by Jews and then a at, at the very least a political flaw, more for uh, Pilate. Could this have all ended differently uh, from God's point of view? Was there some mistake that could have been corrected so that this did not have to go this way?
0: Well, that's why I ended with this and a summary
2: on the divine equation. Um, I think it had to end this way. Uh, it 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 had to it, it. It's it's kind of a of a of a perilous path to to be innocent and yet executed. And that is the the divine plan that an innocent man is executed. But it couldn't be just an innocent man. Um. Number one, because none of us are innocent. But number two, it it ultimately couldn't be a man. It it had to be God as well. God in the form of man. But only God could pay the price. So I think it was inevitable. And it's a bit curious the way it all plays out. But it makes sense. To the extent we can understand that divine
3: equation. Okay, I've got one more. <laughs> <Great>. thank you. <laughs> In the divine equation, is God, the Father of
0: Jesus Christ, at all to blame? Last
2: night, I... Uh, I listened to uh, a very powerful song that's related to this. Uh, It's from the musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, it's a a scene from Gethsemane. And it's a very, very powerful song. And and that question is explored by Jesus. Uh, So the, the theology may, in my mind, be a little... Pushes that question too far uh, because Jesus uh, in that song throws some of the blame back on Lord, asking why he has to die, and um, and there's there's some there's some blaming there, and I don't agree with that. But I I think in your question doesn't God the Father bear some blame or responsibility? Uh, I I think. Uh, the answer is that was the only way it could be fixed. So if it was according to a plan of salvation, uh, the um, the answer has to be that there wasn't any other way to fix it. God had to die. It's the death of God in, in its real sense. In order to make it right uh, for us sinners, because God doesn't, Ultimately, can't God is a God of mercy, but He's also a God of justice, and that justice demands that 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 sin must be recognized. and so the reconciliation uh, comes through Jesus, uh, and and that's the only way that it that it could have been done. So God's plan was to punish Himself because there was no one else that could write that check. The only one else that could, could pay that price. So, yes, there's responsibility, but it's, it's it was the only way that problem could be fixed. That
0: doesn't mean we blame God. It, it, it's, our, it's our problem. The only problem God has is, is to
2: figure out how to solve it. And the, and the solution comes through uh, the death of God for our sake and
3: it's re- and the resurrection on on Sunday. All right John, I've put you through the paces uh and uh, you're now going to have to forgive me for uh for forcing you out of being a perfectly good lawyer into being a dirty theologian. Uh and I appreciate you doing that for me. <laughs> I haven't heard dirty <laughs> theologian
2: those two words put together. Uh, so I'm not going to touch that
0: one, but I appreciated your questions. Thank you.
2: Are there other questions that you might be pondering? Anyone?
4: Well, first, thanks, John, uh, for this presentation. It was great. I've done a lot of reading in this area. And, and really, your work is just outstanding. And a 50-year effort is pretty much to be applauded. Uh, and I really enjoyed the your article and and your comparison of various uh, accounts. I mean, it's really helpful. I'm I'm going to print it out if I can ever get my computer working again. And I would say that you know I agree with everything that John has said. The he was clearly innocent from a legal standpoint. I've tried a number of capital murder cases, and he was loosely charged. Uh, they had no evidence. They didn't meet the burden of proof. And I think under any legal standard, he would be found uh, not guilty. Now, Pastor Christofferson and others could could decide theologically, could he be found guilty because of the imposition of man's sin on him? I mean, is that guilt? I, I don't know. I'm just a lawyer, but from a lawyer, I could have won that case. I can tell you that. He was, <laughs> he was not guilty. And then secondly, the, the, um, the decision was clearly political. Next, next can I respond? Yeah. It
2: struck me that even though Jesus didn't have a lawyer, didn't have any disciples either, well he had no friends. Uh, he didn't have a lawyer. I thought Jesus did a pretty good job in defending himself. What do you think?
4: I think he had a great strategy, and the strategy of, of silence was good. And of course, you've got you gotta understand, I mean, when you're God, you kind of got an advantage, right? I mean, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs>
0: Well, he the He could have played
2: that card, but he didn't, did he?
0: Only sometimes, too. Some no, of he could. No, that's
4: right. His, uh, but he had a good uh, strategy. Uh, he uh, kept he kept back the burden of truth because he knew they had no evidence. And so I think he just kept throwing yeah. it back at them and they had nothing. And at the end, as you kind of indicated, they said, we've got nothing, but you're going to die anyway. Uh, you know, there's, I mentioned a Pastor Christopherson that. Yesterday, I think there's a lot of discussion about Pilate's role and and was he really just arrogant? Was he, did he, uh, what did he really feel like he was in the presence of God and that he he was somewhat overcome and he was really making inquiries? Or did he just think that he, did he have a sense? I've read some authors that said he had a sense that he was in a a narrative that was going to play out and he had a role and he was just not able to resist and he had to do what he had to do. But at the end, he wasn't going to fight the crowd, and he wasn't going to let the Jews run back to the Romans and and tell Caesar that that he was supporting someone that might be an ally. He wasn't going to do that. So he just he said, "You're, you know, you're not guilty, but if 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 your friends over here want to kill you, well, I guess they can do uh, what they're going to do." So I agree with everything John said until we get to the end, and this is more of a theological deal. I don't think it had to end this way. Look, God's God. And it's really hard to come to uh, a conclusion that there has to be some sort of mechanical death and suffering of an individual that's blameless in order to somehow uh, make amends for the sins writ large of humankind. I, I don't agree that it had to end that way. Uh, and it clearly didn't have to. You, you can't really make a legitimate argument that it had to end that way because God's God and all-powerful and all-knowing and uh, could do anything that He wanted to do. And uh, you can talk about the the mechanics of of Jesus taking sin upon Himself to die for others. It's kind of hard to for us to understand as, as humans uh, if it's symbolic it's certainly sad that that's what had to happen. If it's realistic, I mean, I guess that's just beyond our, our knowledge uh, as as humans. But to say that it had to end this way, because there was some divine plan, well, he's the one that made the plan, right? God made the plan. And so it didn't have to end this way. It's just, I guess that's the way he wanted it to end. And so that'd be my, my only comment. But man, what a great what a great article! What a great presentation! And what a great analysis! And uh, I wish I could stick with something for fifty years. I tell you that. Thanks.
0: <laughs> well, Thank you. I, I
2: I respect that uh, comment. I think it's it, it is insightful. Uh, I am reminded of a remark by Aquinas that uh, he said uh, God was not all powerful in the sense that that it was denied that he could, he could change what happened. So the, I think the, the, the line from Aquinas is, thus, even, even God cannot change the past. And I would go one further and say, God had to because if he, if he, if he didn't, he would have denied his own being, his own self. Now we're clearly into the realm of a higher realm, and we are speculating about that, but I, I would go along with Aquinas' thought there are some things that God can't do, and one of them is to deny sin, has to recognize sin, and figure out a way to fix it, and his way of fixing, I think, is, makes sense to me, uh, but I certainly think your comment God's all powerful. He could have waved a magic wand and said, "Everybody's forgiven." Um, yeah. And I would just say, to the extent we understand God's nature, we, I would say it's not in His nature to do that. It is His nature to be merciful, and that way of mercy, <laughs> thank God, is, is 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 important for us. But it was also in His nature uh, to not turn his back on, on on sin. So there are limitations on an all-powerful God, but quite an interesting comment. Us two lawyers are
0: verging on that territory of the theologians,
4: and I, I, I like your comment. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to do that. I would just say he he can't have it both ways. He can't be all-powerful and control the universe in the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, uh and the, the creator of everything and then say but there is this one thing i can't control or i'm not going to control because then you have to say either you can or you can't if you can't you're not all powerful if you can then you're choosing not to do it and, and that doesn't seem to be quite you know quite right either so i don't know i have I, I have trouble with that uh with that that theory. Um, You
0: have trouble with a
2: suggestion
4: that God can't change history. He can't change the past. God was in control of the past from the beginning. There is no past. If he's awful, argument purposes, I don't know if he is or not. But I would say it's it's a cop out to say, well, he can't he can't change what happened in the past. Well, by golly, he was in charge of the past. So, yeah, he could. He could have changed it uh, at the time. So um, I just think, you know, it gets back to this issue that the pastors would know better than me. If he's the beginning and the end and he created everything, the question gets to be, and you say, uh, Steve asked a moment ago, was was God somehow at fault? You know, it gets to the the age-old question of, Where did sin come from, and did God create it, and or does he allow it to continue? If he allows it to continue, he's choosing to. If he can't control it, then he's not all powerful. So, I mean, I don't know what that's the circular argument, I'm going to leave it to you pastor folks to decide that. I'm just a lawyer, and I'll say he's not guilty.
5: (laughs) Mr. Sandlin, can I throw in a comment, and then I want to hear some feedback from Dr. Van Patten, from Dr. Paulson, and from... Pastor Chris Opherson and Backer. Because um, I have the this, this same question. I talked to Dr. Paulson about this earlier, whether God is responsible for this whole thing. Uh, and I use the example in the Garden of Eden of a pool without proper fencing. And that if a child drowns in a pool without proper fencing, then the owner is actually liable for the, the child's drowning. Uh, in the same sense, God set us in the Garden of Eden and didn't put a fence around the tree of knowledge of good and evil and so when we inevitably killed ourselves by disobeying his law was it god's fault for not properly protecting us and therefore putting the sin with god um and then i guess this goes to the sovereignty of god whether he can just magically forgive sin or whether he makes a conscious decision to not meddle in certain ways. And this is really for Dr. Paulson and Dr. Christopherson in in regard to the free will of humanity. In this overarching narrative, um, do we have free will to screw up God's plan and then he respects our free will and lets us do that even though he doesn't have to respect our free will? Or is it that we're just puppets in this beautiful narrative that he's created. And in this narrative, he can express uh, his, his undying love for us, or, or perhaps his actual dying and then resurrecting uh, abounding love for us. Uh, Dr. Paulson, Dr. Christopherson, uh, Pastor Backard, or Dr. <laughs> Van Patten, would any of you like to give comments on this?
0: Go.
3: That's one for Pastor Christopherson. That's above uh, our parent pay rate. And that's why he's he has got go all his mute on.
4: All the way to the top. He's got his mute on, see? Well, I had one thing before well, he smart. Uh,
2: it, it does, it, it raises the free will question. Uh, that uh, is uh, talked about right after the, there, but it's, it, it's uh, with, the, with the curse of, of Cain. Uh, Cain um, had, had the, had the uh, capacity to choose. And that capacity to choose evil is built into that human predicament. So, And that also is part of the plan, uh, that, that we can choose evil. God would prefer that we didn't, but we have the capacity
4: to make that choice. Go ahead, Max. Well, what, here's what I would add. You, you've got to go one one question behind that. Do we have free will? Is it free will? Would any rational being choose to make decisions which might create a situation where they would go to eternal damnation based upon our limited knowledge? Look, we deal with this question you raised, Nick, in law lots of times. You can't just, I have a much, I'm older and have a much uh, broader view of, of life than my children. I can't just take my children out there and say, okay, now I think it'd probably be a good idea for you guys not to walk out in the interstate. You know, don't, and I know there's some balls out there. That might not be a good idea. And then I just walk off. I know what's going to happen. They're going to go out and get run over. And it's not free will for God to say, well, I'm going to put something over here, and it's probably not a good idea for you to do that. You're dealing from different standards, you know, different knowledge, different power structure. And for, a, for an omnipotent and all-powerful God to say, you can make a decision, but you know what, if you're wrong, I know what's right, I'm God, but if you're wrong, it's going to create a situation where you suffer endlessly for your one mistake. That kind of gets rid of the idea of free will. You don't really have free will. And then if you do, then yeah, I think God has an obligation to say, I know better because I'm God and here's what's gonna to happen to you and I'm gonna prevent you from doing it. So we deal with that in, in a law called attractive nuisances. You're, and your pool is a good, a good example of that. You can't just put a pool out here or in the middle of the neighborhood because you know what's gonna happen. All the kids are going to swim. Somebody's going to drown. That's why you put up the fence. So, in that sense, God should put up a fence around those things and say there are some things I know better as as God. He can't just turn everybody loose when we don't when we don't deal on the same uh, intellectual level as God. And I don't think we're ever going to get there. It doesn't look like it.
0: Well, but I fully be
4: my thought as a lawyer. I fully agree on both
5: points. Uh, in fact, I called Dr. Paulson halfway through last semester uh screaming at him and screaming he at your brain. Him. yeah I was screaming at Dr. Paulson uh as Dr. Paulson is a representative Yeah exactly Texas Christian um but that was exactly my point. I, I said that the culpability rests with God. I was suffering at the time and I said I'm just a kid who drowned in God's pool. Why didn't he build a fence? And Dr. Paulson looks at me and he said well, Nick, what you've done is what everyone has done. They put God on trial and they inevitably find out that he's guilty. <laughs> and then he went through the book of Job and he said, Well, you know, Job did this too. He said, You know, God, why had you done this to me? And you know what God said at the end of Job? Screw you. I'm God. <laughs> I do what I want. That's right. Uh, and so I don't, I guess this does certainly go to like the mystery of God and his uh, knowledge above our own knowledge that. We will never fully understand his plans, um, and and I guess even the free will of of Satan, because does God permit Satan free will to to kind of bugger his entire narrative of creating perfection? Yeah. Yeah. So,
4: good questions.
5: I, I I think we I think we need to meet face to face uh, to
2: talk this one through some more. It's really great if we uh, when our uh, time in the wilderness here is is done and we can get together again uh, face-to-face. It would be
0: a great conversation to have. I'd look forward to it.
1: Yeah, likewise. agree. I think this is part one. (laughs) Well, thank you, John, uh, for presenting uh, today. And uh, hopefully when this uh, coronavirus is resolved, uh, perhaps this fall we can uh, no longer be seeing in a you know, screen dimly, but then face-to-face, perhaps at First Lutheran Church. And uh, I tell you what, if we can resolve this uh, matter of free will, um, (laughs) uh, Steve and I want to edit uh, that book (laughs) when it comes around, because I think it's been there uh, since the beginning of, of God's creating time, as well as me. But uh, for all of you today, thank you for your participation, and uh, God's grace to you and your families uh, in this time. uh, To use your language, John and Max and Lori and Martin's uh, sequestering ourselves, uh, that um, Lori, I have to say, there was an expression you used yesterday when we were on the phone with your grandkids, and you said, this is holy time. And I pray that we will use this time when we are needing to self-isolate or sequester ourselves, that uh, refuse ourselves, whatever, that uh, we just really appreciate this and take advantage of this time, even if it's negative, to try to turn it into a positive, by God's grace, uh, to spend with one another in our families and in our friendships. and. Uh, Use it a time to uh, immerse ourselves more deeply in, in God's word. And so uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. But the Lord look upon you with faith
0: and grant you his peace.